and products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. And with that said, it is time for the Jack Riccardi Show with Jack Riccardi. I would say this weather is severely awesome. Okay. <laughs> severely. It's, okay. are we lo- we're loving this, right? You know, I'm liking Throw it now. Throw open the windows. Yep. We love it. This morning I had a problem with it because I've still got a lot of stuff packed, and so I've got these sandals on, and I walk outside, I'm like, 66 degrees. Yeah, yeah. But then I walk out about 20 minutes ago, and I'm like, ah, yes, yep. You got to unpack, Christian. We're keeping you, so just unpack. (laughs) I'll work on it. Um, We're just going to move past this very quickly. Anything you want to say about the game? Uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys know about how far they can go with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was fun while it lasted. I will say this though quickly. Dak Prescott, and you're a Pats fan, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Since the win last year up in New England, Dak got hurt, end of the game. I think he's about a 500 quarterback since that time. So anyone thinking that Dak, you know, Dak is going to come back and just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Dak to the rescue, maybe he will. But yeah. let's see how this unfolds. Interesting point in the season right now. Not all Cooper Rush's fault. No, they not were just at all. Outplayed, outplayed by the other team, all both sides of the ball. And and, and yeah, I'm, I agree with you about Dak Prescott, but I also think what a nice way to come back. I mean, you know, you you couldn't ask for a better return because if Cooper Rush had kept playing great. That makes it awkward, but now, as you say, everybody is is like laying down palm leaves in the road as as he reenters the the city. So, yeah, and you we're know, ready for him. They're four and two. That's a much better spot than anybody sure. would have hoped for. And then you got yeah. Detroit and Chicago before the bye week, and so yeah, yeah like you said, the stage right. might be set pretty well. It'll be okay. All right, and a great weekend for college football. We'll talk about that coming up, and um, many other things. So everybody is playing this clip today. I'm sure you've heard it or seen it by now. Uh, President Biden was in Oregon, and he he went to an ice cream parlor and gave a speech about the economy. Well, not a speech. He he spoke extemporaneously, because he's so good at that, uh, about how things are going with the American economy. So listen to President Biden with his mouth full of of, uh, you know, artisanal uh, ice cream cone and ice cream telling us everything is fine. Cut number one. Just one more economic question. Are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal. Inflation is worldwide. Worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth. 
policy in other countries, not so much ours. And that's having worldwide inflation that's consequential. It's the damn world. It's the damn world. The damn world full of, yeah, you know, full of all that inflation as he shoves another <laughs> mouthful of ice cream. Why do they get him the big cone, by the way? Why can't he get a regular sugar cone like like most of us do? I mean, he always, wherever he goes, it's always the gigundo waffle cone. You know, it's like the, the cornucopia of ice cream, like, you know, 10 scoops. Are they trying to kill the guy or what? I mean, come on, you know, dial it back a little, Joe. You're 80. Um, but not even the most loyal butt-kissing Democrat wanted to be in that photo op. I mean, that's their problem right there. I know it's just a soundbite, it's just a film clip, but that's their problem right there, is nothing looks more out of touch than this guy saying, oh, it's really not that bad, at least, uh, you know, people should consider how much worse it would be in Chad or Molly or, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that that is what you say to people who are trying to figure out which groceries to buy or which prescription to fill. You stand there with, you know, enough ice cream cone to feed a family for a week and tell them, hey, it's the world's fault. By the way, I thought, and I bet you did too, that at any given time in our history, you could look at the rest of the world, and and I don't care if it's economics, freedom, free speech, democracy, you could always look at the rest of the world and go, well, it's worse elsewhere. That's not a newsflash. That is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for American politicians. You're not doing a great job if it sucks to be everywhere else. This is the United States of America. You're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be better. But watching him with the ice cream cone and telling people it's fine is like the czar's, you know, wagon wheels crushing the peasants to death. I mean, it really, it's, it is some kind of look. And then Barack Obama over the weekend said the Democrats need to stop obsessing over Donald Trump. You know, they've been begging Obama to hit the campaign trail. And so he's starting to make some media appearances. This was a podcast he did. And he said that, um, his party, is mistaken when it thinks that Trump and obsessing about Trump will drive voters to vote Democratic. And say what you want about Barack Obama, but I think he's right about that. I think everything they're trying to drag up the list of concerns, right? Everything they're trying to to pull up the list and rank higher than people's economic pain, whether it's uh, Dobbs, whether it's Trump, it's just Russia, you know, it's just not working. People are not going to get around or forget about the day-to-day of trying to make ends meet. A new survey from Fox says that more than half of all Americans believe the country is moving away from capitalism and toward socialism, and they don't like it. But you know what's different nowadays about that? I mean, all my life I've heard people warn about socialism and it's coming, you know, I, you know, your grandfather said that, your father said that. But the thing that's different now, I think, we used to have this discussion with people grasping what capitalism was. And now we're not. So now when you get into an argument or a debate, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or somebody at work, if you start getting into an argument where you're defending capitalism, do you find more and more that, that you are defending it to someone that really doesn't even know what it is? 
it's become a catchphrase or a catch basket for things they don't like or for something that happened to them that they didn't like. Well, that was capitalism. And that's what's different now. So, yes, we've, we've heard this before. We've heard these kinds of surveys before. Americans have justly been afraid of socialism for, gosh, probably about a hundred years. But what's different now is that, um, we're dealing with people that are, that are gullible, that are falling for things they don't really understand because they don't really understand what they have. Um, now, I wanted to ask you about this because um, I'm, not a, I'm not an impeachment fan. You probably have heard me say this before. The, the last thing, the last thing Republicans need to do if they win control of the House and Senate is start an impeachment trial because, honestly, it, as satisfying as that might be or as symmetrical as that might seem, uh, people people are on to it you know that, that that's why it didn't do very well for the democrats that 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 ruse has been worn out and they're the ones that wore it out so having said that and that's still my position wouldn't you impeach joe biden if it's true as both the new york post and the new york times have reported that saudi arabia is saying that biden directly asked them to postpone their recently announced oil production cut until closer to or after the midterms. How is that not worse than Trump's phone call with Ukraine? How is that not election meddling? Where is the media outrage over that? Or or, or at the very least... I'll settle for not even outrage. I'll just settle for like hard questions, like um, why why would you why would you be doing that? What would be the other than the obvious political calculation? Why would you be asking them to postpone production cuts? You went to them and asked for more. They said no, and then your response was to wait. Clearly, the same rationale that called for Trump's impeachment would call for this impeachment, wouldn't it? I think it would. 210-599-5555. You knew this was coming, and here it is. There's a new coronavirus variant called XBB. In Singapore, recently, cases went from uh, just under 5,000 a day to 12,000 a day in, in about two days. And this is a mutation of the COVID-19 uh, virus that does not respond to... Um, Antibodies that you create from having had COVID before or from having the vaccine. They think, they're saying, they think, you know, you know what that's worth. They think that the, um, this newest booster that no one is getting, no one's really very interested in, they think that might help with this. But I wonder, I mean, it's, we're only three weeks away from the midterms. It may be too, too short an amount of time to declare a health emergency and, and move all the voting to, to to vote by mail because a lot of people, and I'm one of them, thought they would try to pull that between now and and uh, an election day. But with three weeks out, I don't know. I don't know if XBB has arrived in time. Oh, did you did you see what uh, Dr. Fauci has now said about the school closures? He did an interview with ABC, and he said he had the he had the audacity, if I may make up a word. Fauci had the audacity to say that 
Um, well, the question was, was it a mistake for schools to be closed as long as they were during the pandemic? Good for ABC for asking that question. And he said, um, I don't want to use the word mistake. We should have realized there would be some damage. But then he said that he had nothing to do. He was not responsible for school closings. He had nothing to do with that. Was it a mistake to see schools closed as long as they were? I had nothing to do with that, he said. And um, again, I imagine there are people who will believe that if they weren't paying attention over the course of the last couple of years. You and I know that's absolutely not true. We know that he repeatedly and, and brazenly scolded governors that were reopening or didn't fully close their schools. Uh, but imagine the, the, so much of what they do is based on people not remembering and the media not reminding people. And that's how you get away with this. I mean, it's literally one of his best-known points. And now he is claiming with a straight face, oh, I, I had nothing to do with that. Well, I mean, he had nothing to do with it in the sense that he wasn't actually, like, closing the schoolroom door. <laughs> I mean, if you want to say he wasn't, he wasn't actually blocking the entrance to the school with his body, you could say that. He had everything to do with it. Because every policy that met any kind of resistance during COVID, the, the defense of it was always, well, th- we're just following the science. We're following the guidelines of the federal government. And he, by his own admission, is science. He is that guideline, personified, embodied. Had nothing to do with it. So the, um, you have the president in a suit and tie at an ice cream parlor, uh, shoveling in the big waffle cone and saying, uh, you know, the economy, our economy is not that bad. It's much worse everywhere else. Um, thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, that is usually true. Uh, we, we presume that there will be, uh, higher performance, greater opportunity, uh, greater productivity. Um, we, we don't want you to make the excuse that you're not doing any worse than other countries are. You're, you know what I mean? It's not, it, and then the, the, just the optics of him eating the ice cream. And it reminded me of when Pelosi during the shutdown was standing in front of her, you know, uh, her stainless steel double door freezer with the gourmet ice cream. I mean, it, 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 but I mean, I'm not here to, I'm not here to tell people what to think of it. I just, I wonder what it looks like to people. I really do. I wonder about the optics of it compared to the, the, the way we have to do our grocery shopping right now and everything else, which is prioritizing and skipping and doing without. And obviously a majority of people in every survey say they're cutting back on things. Um, he doesn't care. Biden doesn't care, but the Democrats are, I'm sure, absolutely freaking out about that kind of imagery. And you'll notice they are bringing back everybody to the campaign trail except him. They're, they're bringing back Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. They're bringing back Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. I mean, they, they just do not want him, and that's why. And then um, we were talking a little bit about um, the uh, deal where he asked the Saudis and OPEC to not announce the production cut 
until right before or right after the midterm election. Is that, in your mind, comparable to uh, election interference? Is that comparable to what was deemed so inappropriate in Trump's phone call to the Ukrainian president about the prosecutor that they had to have uh, Colonel Vindman and whistleblowers and people that were in the room and then the impeachment. I, I'm not I'm not rooting for impeachment. And I don't think most people are. I, I realize that, that there, are, there are people, and every time I say this, there are people that are like, you, what are you, crazy? Of course they should. But my point is, do you think now people realize just how overblown that was because they haven't made the case the way biden has governed the whole thing with his son the whole thing with his family if you were trying to make the case that thank god the country dodged a bullet we got we got through the four years of trump we held him to one term he could have he could have done more damage what is what is it obama said i think we can survive four years of him but not eight Biden's presidency is everything that was allegedly wrong with the previous four years and more. And uh, even going back to the ice cream thing, remember how they got all clutching their pearls when Trump was eating like, uh, you know, Wendy's and drinking Dr. Pepper. And so imagine if he'd been standing before the microphones munching on a, you know, a Wendy's while telling us that, oh, this economy's fine. They would be having a stroke on the networks. It's the same, it's the same optics. Just a different snack food. 210-599-5555. Here's the um, Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson, explaining why he thinks um, minority voters are moving away from the Democratic Party. Cut number six. I think that folks are waking up all over this country, and that includes uh, black people in this country. Black people are starting to take a look around in many of their communities and wonder why for the last 50 years things have been the same, Uh, why they are seeing the same old things over and over again and hearing the same things over and over again with no positive results. And they're starting to see that they need to reach out in a different direction. And I think that many of the things they've seen here in North Carolina since 2010, and many of the things, quite frankly, that they saw under a President Trump compared to a President Biden, uh, they're seeing that the answer lies on the other side of the aisle. So I think we're going to start seeing more and more uh, black voters uh, switch over to Republican. That was uh, Mark Robinson, the governor of North Carolina. I'm with Dan Bongino on Fox News Channel over the weekend. What do you think about that? I mean, I, and I'm not just interested in just minority voters, but do you do you think there's some kind of move, or is it just for the midterms, or is it just a vote against the Democrats? Because I think you have to ask yourself sometimes: Do I am I seeing what I want to see or what I hope is there versus what's really what's really there? And if he's right, people are and people like him are right. This is describing a, a a complete reorganization or realignment, and that doesn't happen very often. You know, you can go through your whole lifetime and never have a political realignment in this country. So, what do you think about that? What do you think this means? I'm just going to read the read the tweet, and 
I want to know what you think this means. What does this mean to you? Here's the tweet. Most of you have no idea what's coming, and it's not pretty. Most of you have no idea what's coming, and it's not pretty. This is from uh, Carol Roth, who is a commentator, I guess you could say, or columnist commentator. She's on um, she's on different different platforms, different sites. I, I see her a lot on the Blaze. Uh, I think she's been with Glenn Beck. Um, I don't mean she's been with Glenn Beck. I mean she's been on his show. Poorly worded. Um, most of you have no idea what's coming, and it's not pretty. And so people freaked out. I mean, her, and that's just what people like to do on Twitter. It's you know, it's like clickbait. What? What do you mean? What? Could you? Could you? Could you tell us what you mean? What do we need to do? What? And and she was coy about it. Didn't really come right out and say. Um, she's a big uh, believer in um, like financial prep. You know, like you should be hardening your assets and uh, saving and putting your personal budget on austerity and all that stuff. But what do you think that means? Most of you have no idea what's coming, and it's not pretty. Does that sound like breakdown in the social fabric or rioting or what? What, what does that mean? A depression. Or maybe you think that's a lot of chicken little talk and you're sick of it. Because the Internet's full of people, and I'm sure you've noticed this. I'm not exactly dropping a truth bomb here. The Internet is full of people who are trying to basically liquefy your bowels. You know, just absolutely scare the bleep out of you. Some of them have a thing to sell, like they're pushing something, a product selling generators or gold or something. But some of them are just, that's just their their worldview. Uh, most of you have no idea what's coming, and it's not pretty. Seems like kind of a jerk thing to say if you're not going to tell people. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I could tell you what's going to hit you, but instead I'll just tell you that you don't know that something is about to hit you. I think it would be nice to, if you, if you know, I think it would be nice to tell people. Although, if you, if you don't tell them, then you don't have to defend your thesis, right? You have to defend your assertion. So if you leave it vague, then whatever happens, you can say later on, well, that's the thing I told you was was coming, right? Um, but I don't know. What, do you, what does that mean to you? And, and what, would you, what would you do about whatever your interpretation of it is? I mean, is it prep? Is it get off the grid? Is it move out to the mountains? Is it take your kids out of public school? Is it get a gun if you don't already have one? Uh, what do you think it means? Or maybe you think she's just blowing smoke. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. The, um, the, the, other thing I saw over the weekend that I really liked, this was a woman, um, she's Australian. Her name is Sydney Watson. She says she's an Australian-American political commentator. I don't know if that means she has dual citizenship or she comments on the politics of both countries, but it doesn't matter. She, uh, she was on an American Airlines flight that she says was a three-hour flight, so it obviously wasn't from Australia. 
But she was on an American Airlines flight, and she was um, in a middle seat, which is not a happy place for anybody, unless you're traveling with people, the people on either side of you, and they're you know your family or something. But right, it's not not a happy place to be the middle seat. So this uh, woman was um, asking that American Airlines pay her reparations for her flight. She wants reparations. It's a pretty big word, right? Like, reparations are for slavery and war crimes, atrocities. You go to The Hague, the International Court at The Hague, you know, oh, reparations. She wants reparations from American Airlines because they sat seated obese people on either side of her, and she was wedged between obese people. I was literally wedged between obese people. Why do I get the feeling that she would have been somebody that was shaming people for not having a mask on a year ago? It's like the new the new mask shaming is fat shaming, except fat shaming isn't new, it's old. Um, she says, I am currently literally wedged between two obese people on my flight. I guess she was tweeting during the flight. She couldn't have been too wedged if she was tweeting. I mean, you've got to be able to get your phone out and operate it. You know? and she didn't have to wait till she landed. She writes, this is absolutely not acceptable or okay. If fat people want to be fat, fine. But it is something else entirely when I'm stuck between you with your arm rolls on my body for three hours. This is absolutely not acceptable. She, she writes, if you need a seatbelt extender, you are too fat to be on a plane, all caps. Hmm. She seems really nice. I hope she sits with me on, the, on my next flight. She says, buy two seats or don't fly. She says that the flight attendant on the plane had asked me if I needed anything, and I gave him my this is effed pity expression, which apparently he didn't get or care about. (laughs) Then she asked other people if they would switch seats with her, and they said no. I began shrieking internally, she writes. Wow. Very. This was a very dramatic flight. Shrieking internally, effed, reparations. Wow. I mean, this is better than the movie. She complained to American Airlines, and American Airlines responded, our passengers come in all different sizes and shapes, we're sorry you were uncomfortable on your flight. Well, that kicked her into the next level. That really touched her off because she felt like that was a giant FU from American Airlines. Holy bleep, she tweeted in response. This is their official reply to me being sandwiched between two obese humans. Boy, she really hates these people. Like, she's not just sitting there going, well, this isn't going to be my best flight or I'm kind of uncomfortable. She's like... Everything is happening to me. It's like that song, you know, why does everything happen to me? It's almost like she thinks they put the people on either side of her on purpose. Like they saw Sidney Watson coming. And they said, let's give her that seat. We're going to give her, we're going to give her seat 19B. She'll never forget it. So she wants reparations from the airline. Said she had to hold her drink cup in her mouth. She couldn't put her tray table down oh my gosh <laughs> so what do you think i mean um personally i 
I think our beef is with the airlines, not with our fellow passengers. I, I, I'm not saying that I haven't seen what she's talking about, but our beef is with the way they pack us in on the planes. Our beef is with the way the seats are designed. Those seats aren't for anybody. I don't care if you're obese or you have a perfect BMI. Those seats are not for human beings, okay? Th- those, those seats are for Gumby. We're not meant to sit like that. We're not meant to fold our legs like that. There's no place to put your feet unless you're, you know, under 5'5". Five, five. And, and, I mean, what if instead of turning on each other, we got mad at the airlines who are actually charging us money to be on the plane? The, the, the people on the plane, they're not having a great time either. You know? We're all in this together, I think. So maybe a little more love for your fellow passengers and maybe focus on the real, the real culprit. The, the the people that have ruined flying are the people whose business it is, I think. 210-599-5555. Jonathan's on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Jack Riccardi Show. Jonathan, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. A pleasure to speak to you again. Um, I actually, oh, I don't know Sydney personally, but I have followed oh. her on YouTube for quite some mm-hmm. time. So I can mm-hmm. I can tell you that, A, she's an Australian. She lives here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Most of what she was doing was satire. She was making fun of the Karens who do react in such ways. She was upset by what happened because of how it went down. But a Mm -hmm. lot of what she was doing, because she's a conservative political commentator. And if you ever listen to her, a lot of what she stands for and says is similar to what, you know, that you and your, you and the other DJs on this station also stand. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop you there, Jonathan, because, um, this is just extremely rude of her. Um, I don't care if you want to see, see the satire, you can. But blaming the people on either side of her for the fact that all three of them are sitting in seats that were not designed for any adult human being, is just it's just cruel. It's just nasty. And, and, and if it's at some level that I'm not getting it, which is, I guess, what you're saying, that's okay. But we need to stop turning on one another and start recognizing who really created this. Yeah, I can see that. You know, why yeah, why because what can you what can what can the people I'm sorry, what? I was going to just I was just trying to say that this is not the way she reacts to everything. This is not like a consistent thing because she does have a fairly high presence on YouTube. Well, I don't yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, that's fine. Uh, you, you I'm sure you're right about that. I'm just saying that this is not to me the people on that plane sitting next to her have the same right to be on that plane that she does. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and if, if, if there is an issue with the seating, that's with the people that designed it and set it up and sell it that way, not, not with them. Yeah. And um, I, I, just, I, think, I think it's just very easy to take shots at people. Um, and it doesn't make – like if, you, if you're trying to make the point that we need, to, we need better seating, this is not going to win any – sympathy or support for for your case at all it, it just it's I just, can see it's that just rude sure. you know yeah, but i appreciate no, I, I appreciate your call i'm interested we are going to try to get her so i'm interested to know that she's in texas because we would like to like to get her on the show paul is on ktsa paul good afternoon yeah hey jack just uh enjoy your show driving home but the, the girls the lady complaining about her seat i fly american airlines all the time you get to pick your seat she could have picked a seat that had more leg room, so I don't know what she's griping about. It's her fault she picked that seat. Oh, you mean when you go on the website, you can pick? Yeah, well, you can do that until yeah. sometimes you, you get there, though, and you're, 
when I've done this, I mean, sometimes there's only a few yeah. seats left and you have to take what's there, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you, as soon as you book your seat, you can, you, they send you to the next yeah, section yeah. that tells you which seat yeah. you can pick. Yeah, but you don't know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. No, you don't. You don't. But if she's worried about that, then she could wait a little but bit. But imagine thinking to yourself while you're sitting there, these people are too fat to be on this plane. <laughs> I mean, what 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 kind of humanity is that? Hey, yeah, yeah, that's just uh, uncalled for. I mean, I, I fly American Airlines all the time, and and I, I've been in that same situation, and I just think to mm-hmm. myself, man, I should have picked a seat with more leg room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I do this. I fly American a lot too. I always try to get the aisle yeah. because then you know you'll at least have room on one side. Uh, at yeah. you know the very least, no matter what's going on with you on one side, the other side will be open air, um, or, or you know maybe a bulkhead seat where you have more leg room. But sometimes if you're booking late or it's a crowded flight, you just have to take whatever you know seat is left. Right, there might only be a couple yeah. left in the whole plane. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she could have she could have booked a better seat, but she also could maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just not start hating people uh, sitting next to her. I don't know. I, I I don't think we. I don't think we. I don't think this wins us anything. You know. I I think our beef is with the airlines. Uh, I really do. And again, I fly American. I like American for a lot of other reasons. But all of these airlines are treating us like cattle. Only worse. At least with cattle, there are animal rights activists. You know. I, th- that's the problem. And it's not the people on the plane with you. It's the people that design them. It's the people that do the economics of how many human beings can we crowd onto this plane, right? I mean, that's all by design. That's all economics. It's all designed to get the maximum number of people on each plane. You heard uh, Christian in the news talking about there's fewer planes, fewer flights. uh, uh, Airfares are going up. I don't know if that was our news or I, I heard that somewhere today, but... Um, you know, it's the economics of flying. That's that's where your beef is. That's where your gripe is. Talk about a woman that flew on American Airlines recently and then uh, tweeted about, or actually tweeted during the flight, apparently, that she was wedged between obese people. She now says American Airlines owes her reparations. Would that be for her or, like, all of her descendants? Or, or how would that work? Uh, Janet is on KTSA. Hi, Janet. Hi, Janet. I just got back from a nine-hour flat flight to Ireland, and I know exactly what she's talking about, but I'm only 5'2", and there was no leg room. I couldn't cross yeah. my legs if I had to. Yeah. <laughs> so the planes are so tiny. I don't know what she suggests for the airlines, though. Should we all get on the weigh scale and so they'll know how big we are? I mean, I'm well, not so I guess she just wants. I, was, I, just, I, I guess she wants overweight people to just be sent home. Just tell them when they get to the airport. Not you can't you, you can't fly. Get out of here. But I mean, the the problem is how they're cramming the seats in there. You know, the, it's not that the planes are tiny. It's that they're trying to get a, a, an obscene number of seats. Right? I mean, nobody should sit that, that way. That's absolutely the truth. That's absolutely. And we didn't have a choice in in our seats. We unless you pay for it. If you pay extra, then you can go in there and you could have selected your seat. And yeah. I, I happened to get a window seat, so I was really wedged in there. I mean, I, I think they would love it if we turned on one another, because then we won't notice what they're doing. You know, they, they would love it if we all yeah. got mad at the other passengers. Let's do that. Yeah. It had been a while since I'd been on an international flight, but the last time I was on an international flight, they flew yeah. big planes, like DC-10s and stuff, and there was a lot more. Like, 
and they let you get up and walk around, and now they won't even let yeah. you get up and walk around at Is all. Is that right? So, wow. Yeah. So How was Ireland? Health issues. Beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. Everybody should so, go. <laughs> it, was wor- it was worth the uncomfortable flight because you got to see Ireland. Oh, sure, sure. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it was uncomfortable, but I'd go again. I, you yeah, know, I, I would go. I, that sounds yeah. that sounds really nice. That sounds like a really nice trip, Janet. Thank you for the call. Mm. Anything you want reparations for um, in your in your life? Anything you feel you're owed reparations for? Since that's the new big word. Yeah, I'm still upset. Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark in the back of the yeah, end zone way back in uh, what was that? Eighty two. You should, get, you should yep. get you, you, for the for the emotional uh, grief. I cried. You your, I cried after the game. Your all of your future descendants. Yet yeah. unborn, especially those um, unborn. <laughs> are you a uh, are you a horror movie guy? Do you like horror movies? You know, I mean, I did when I was younger. I just found they got dumber the older I got. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're okay. So you've heard the story about this this one that's uh, just come out called Terrifier Two, that people are fainting in movie theaters and throwing up, and there's all these warnings. Theaters are putting all these warnings on it. Fainting? Um, really? I haven't heard that. Terrifier Two is about a uh, demonic clown that uh, terrorizes some kids which is an original plot that's never been used in a horror movie before. Wow, what out-of-the-box thinking. But anyway, um, you know what I was thinking this is like? You'll, you'll relate to this. This is from your, you'll remember this as a kid. Remember when they would put warning labels on albums? Yeah, yeah. And what did that do? What was Made the effect say, of that? We ran right out to buy it. Yes. That was the first thing you put your hands on in the record store. Well, I think that's what they're doing here. I mean, that's is you know what better publicity when, than uh, I mean it's going to make you faint or throw up. I think it was either ninety eight or ninety nine. Do you remember Blair Witch Project? I sure do. Yeah. So that was one of those movies that was a horror movie in that genre that was supposed to be a new original idea and you know not your standard Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or something. Well, partly because you weren't told if it was a documentary right. or a dramatization right yeah. and when i went to go see it i was like in my latter 20s back then and yeah. i felt kind of disturbed leaving the theater mm-hmm. it was daytime mm-hmm. and, you know some jocks mm-hmm. we went to go see it and so let's all see how bad this is right because some people were freaking out over it so this thing you're talking about what terrorizer 2 terrifier 2 was there a yeah. terrifier 1 yes there was it was just called terrifier but people weren't fainting in that one um, I didn't hear about it if they were, but now the the interesting thing is now that the the hype is happening, now people are tweeting, um, if it doesn't make me puke, I want my money back, and rightly so. <laughs> so, which is also what people that vote for the Democratic Party are saying. So anyway, <laughs> all right, we're gonna talk about horror movies a little bit, and two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, I think tomorrow we'll do our uh, what's the best horror movie uh, question, but we'll save that for tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, where are you on horror movies? That's our question on the JR poll. Are you a fan of them? Uh, Do you feel like Christian does? And I kind of do, too, that I seem to to feel. but, But then again, this could just be part of getting older. But I feel like they were better, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s than they are now. Um, or teens and 20s, I guess, than they are now. Uh, or do, do you know? Do you, do you kind of dig the ones that are on Netflix now? There's a whole crop of them that are kind of made for Netflix that all have kind of the same people in them. And there's really only like what five plots, basically, right? You know that they just keep recirculating and and redoing. And and speaking of that, 
Um, it was opening weekend, and it was a very big opening weekend for Halloween Ends, the, the latest installment in the Michael Myers movies, and they say the last one. You can check out my review at ktsa.com. I, I will tell you right now, Halloween Ends is probably not the end of that series. Based on what I saw, I'm pretty sure they're going to dig another one out of the... <laughs> Out of the graveyard there. Anyway, we're talking about horror movies, and we're talking about this woman who flew on American Airlines and uh, tweeted about how she was disgusted to find herself literally wedged. Right away when people use literally too much, you think, okay, right? You know what I'm saying, right? They've got a clipboard. They want to see a manager, right? Literally wedged between two obese people on my flight, writes... Uh, blogger and commentator, uh, Sydney Watson, Dr. Sydney Watson. She says, this is absolutely not acceptable or okay. If fat people want to be fat, fine. Is that what she thinks of fat people? That it's like a, oh, you know what I think I'd like to be? I think I'd like to be fat. Wow. Some kind of doctor. She's not any kind of medical doctor. Uh, she says, if people want to be fat, fine. But it's something else entirely when I'm stuck between you with your arm rolls on my body. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it was a real treat for them either, honestly. Buy two seats or don't fly, she said. What do you think about that? 210 599 5555. And then she got mad at American Airlines because American Airlines wasn't going to get sucked into that whole politically incorrect screed of hers. So they just they basically just flicked their finger at her and said, uh, hey, sorry you were uncomfortable. You're not getting anything. You're not getting your money back, or as she put it, reparations. Um, oh, has she has she not been flying recently? This almost sounds like somebody that like had been on an airplane in a long time, you know, and thought it was going to be like the Pan Am Clipper or something, you know. I mean, wh- what did she think it was going to be like? If you're in a middle seat... On any airline, on any type of airplane, any of the models that are in service, if you're in a middle seat, you are getting into an intimate relationship. It's a thruple. Let's be honest. This is just called the thruple seat. Uh, And you're going to feel things, and you're going to smell things, and if the person falls asleep, and just the whole, you know, that's it. Reparations? Jeez, I mean, drive next time or, you know. Some people have been writing to me today saying, well, why didn't she get a first-class ticket? I don't know. Friday is our um, Raul Jimenez Thanksgiving Dinner Radiothon. We're going to be asking you to help us help this great San Antonio tradition, this this great family, the Jimenez family, and, and continue to do what they do for thousands of people who would be alone and would be without a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, but for what they're going to do at the convention center on Thanksgiving Day, well, Friday is the day we're going to raise the money. You can actually give right now. You can uh, jump the gun and go to KTSA.com and give in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. You'll see the Raul Jimenez tile. Uh, this is um, a new environmental protest that's happening in the U.K. Uh, people going to grocery stores, pick up cartons of milk, you know, dairy cow milk, and dump it on the floor. According to the animal rights activist group Animal Rebellion, 
uh, people are uh, videoing themselves and streaming themselves, going into stores, grabbing out a bunch of cartons from the the uh, refrigerated cabinet, and then just dumping the milk on the floor, just making huge puddles. And um, their message is that the dairy industry is incredibly destructive. In fact, this group, Animal Rebellion, says the world's top five meat and dairy corporations are now responsible for more emissions than Exxon, Shell, or BP. I love the way um, these activists describe uh, food and dairy production as if it is some sort of vice. You know, like, it's like, to them, eating is like uh, smoking. You don't need to do that. You don't have to do that. It's so annoying when you do that. You, You wanting to survive is so annoying. Don't you know it's bad for the planet? How dare you survive? And I'm sorry, but if the milk is already in the carton, in the store, hasn't whatever damage you're alleging it its production does hasn't that already been done? But see, these are these are twerps. They can't they can't attack this stuff at the source. They get their they get their teeth knocked out. They can't go to some dairy farm and attack the cows or something. So so they go to the store because that's easy. They you know mom can drop them off. They go to the store. And then we're now in an age where, I don't know if you've noticed this, now when people shoplift or push some lady down in the street or shove a guy onto the subway tracks, the rest of the world is now so stunned and gobsmacked that that people just stand around. And in these videos, I watched a, a bunch of them, no one in the store tries to stop them. I mean, gallons and gallons and gallons of milk, it's it's flowing all over. It's making this huge like ocean of milk. Nobody's doing a thing. And so they say that they are doing this because producing dairy is environmentally destructive. They call these milk pours. You know, the other thing I love about activists is um, they call for the immediate end of something, whether it's milk or electricity. <laughs> but you can't, they can't be bothered to explain or take into account the actual toll that takes on real people. In other words, it's almost as if they think that we should be aware of certain consequences, right, like to growing crops, but they there's no consequences for them. The things they do won't deprive somebody of a meal or won't deprive somebody of heat or light. Like, that's not a real thing. In their, in their world, they're not hurting anyone, and they're helping everyone in their world. What color is the sky in their world? What do you think about it? 210-599-5555. And I was telling a friend of mine this this morning, and he said, well, they'll probably wind up having to lock up the milk. If this becomes a thing, you'll go to the store and you'll, they'll have to unlock the milk case for you to get milk. And I'm like, no, hold on, F no. 
<laughs> we're not doing that, are we? Are we really doing that? Like they, like now when you go to Lowe's, they, they have the spray paint locked up. Is that what we're going to do? How about this? How about instead of making customers go through hoops to buy a product for which they have every right and need, how about you hire people to break a few bones and, and, and uh, you know, throw some muscle around when these twits show up and start destroying things? Like, I, I shouldn't have to ask them to unlock the milk case, but maybe there should be somebody in the vicinity of the milk case that if this starts to happen, uh, you break it up. What's happening to us? I, I I know what's I know it's probably more likely what my friend said that they'll lock the case the case, but you realize every time we do that, we are giving in a little more and a little more and a little more. We are losing our legitimacy. There is nothing wrong with you buying a carton of milk, except that it's harder to afford. But as Joe Biden would say, through bites of ice cream cone, you're lucky you're buying it here and not somewhere else. Great, thanks. Do you see what I'm saying, though? We, we have to stop designing a world that accommodates punks and Antifa, and we have to stop standing around with our damn phones videoing people. Put the phone in your pocket and stop them. Put your, put your phone down and help the person they just mugged or beat up. Isn't it crazy that when something like this happens, somebody gets beat up in the street, there's a bunch of people videoing it. I could see maybe if, if you said, well, somebody needs to get this on video. But, but everybody does. And it's like there's no human response. Anyway, they're pouring out the milk in the supermarket, so. 210-59. I don't even like milk that much. But I mean, you know, it's, it's part of life. I and mean, we got to have it. 210 210- Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Animal farming is the leading cause of our loss of wildlife and natural ecosystems. Aren't human beings an ecosystem? Are we are we a species? I'm 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 asking. Are we not also something that is a protected, valued life form? And are we not in fact the stewards and keepers? of this planet. I don't want to get too deep and theological, but our job is to live on it and take good care of it. Our job is not to put velvet ropes around every tree and have people eat beetles and ants and crickets. No. But Somebody has to say we're not gonna we're not gonna let this happen. Somebody has to we have to go back to actually intervening and not just standing around. Because I don't think these are very you look at these protesters, you saw those two prizes that, that went into the museum in Britain and threw tomato soup on the Van Gogh, right? Did did you see them? They're not they're not physically impressive specimens. Like it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> the t- the takedown would be very short, very quick. You know what I mean? You wouldn't even break a sweat. Are you a fan of horror movies is the JR poll question. You can uh, vote at KTSA.com or on the 550 KTSA Facebook page. 
And we're talking about uh, this new protest that's spreading across the U.K. where uh, environmental uh, activists with a group called Animal Rebellion go into uh, supermarkets and dump out all the milk onto the floor and onto the sales counters. And in one store I watched, they dumped it all over the meat. So that was a twofer. They destroyed the milk and the meat. And uh, this is because they want you to know that um, producing food is destroying the planet. I mean, it it is sustaining human life, but, (laughs) you know, big deal. Uh, 210-599-5555. And John is on the radio. John, good afternoon. Good, excuse me, good afternoon, Jack. I, I don't know if I can go as far as broken bones on pouring that milk out, but uh, a black eye would be good. And um, I think what we're doing is we're, we're just uh, receiving the benefits of Dr. Spock, or was it Dr. Seuss? I can't remember which. <laughs> oh, man, you're, you are going. I haven't heard anybody mention Dr. Spock in a long time. I, you're talking about the guy that wrote the books about how to raise your kids back in, the, what was that, like the 50s and 60s? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I, I seriously, these these protesters look like they're about eighteen or twenty years old. I don't think there's been any Doctor Spock. I think that might have been our childhood, not 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 theirs. But I mean, I look. I'm just saying these stores ought to protect their customers and they ought to protect their product because by standing around and letting it be destroyed, yeah, they'll replace it. But now we'll pay more for it. I'll go for the black eye. Yeah. All right, John. Thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. Remember how after January 6th, there was all that, you know, people were, were having fainting spells and smelling salts and I am so scared. And really what, what I think bothered leftists about January 6th was that they didn't like seeing somebody else use tactics that they are otherwise okay with because going into a, a, place like a supermarket, which is the most mundane, sort of, you know, benign, just every man's place, right? Everybody goes. And you just go in, you got your little list, you got your basket, you get your things. To go in there and just, you know, wreak havoc, that's that's insurrection. That's, you know, going going against the norms. That's destroying people's norms and sense of security and um they're they're fine with it they're fine with any kind of destruction or violence they were fine with the the summer of 2020 they were fine with antifa and blm they're fine with all of that they don't like it when those tactics are used by anyone else so it's not the violence that scares them it's that they might lose exclusivity over it And and I mean, if you were really trying to convince people to not use oil or not drink dairy milk or eat meat, if you were interested in that, logic says you would appeal to people's best instincts. You You would reach out to people, and in so many words, you would say, I know you're a good person. I know you want to do the right thing. I I don't think what you're doing now is the right thing, but let me help you. Let me show you how you could do the right thing. This is the opposite of that. This isn't about winning people over, changing their behavior. This is just 
a temper tantrum designed to intimidate people. And again, I, I put the onus on the stores, you know. Start defending your... If you won't defend yourselves, then at least defend the inventory so that when it's replaced, I don't have to pay more for it. Because I'm going to need to I'm gonna need to come in and buy that milk. And if I can't buy the milk they dumped on the floor, I'm going to have to buy the milk that you reorder to replace the milk they dumped on the floor, which means you're going to charge me more for it. So if you want my business... And I say this to all these, you know, you see all these stories, right, about stores that are sh- that are shutting down in in inner cities, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago. Oh, we're closing our stores, Walgreens, CVS, Target. We're closing our stores because of uh, it's not safe. If you want my business, you're gonna have to start standing up to this, because otherwise, you're you're expecting me to pay for your cowardice and your unwillingness to to defend the product. And I guess it works for right now. People are doing that. Oh, I'll go to a different Walgreens and I'll pay more. But I think people will wise up to that eventually, don't you? Greg is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Greg, good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, I think the the problem really stems back to not having enough law enforcement. And it goes back to each country that has these problems and that are not allowing law enforcement do their job um they're actually going against their own country like kind of like destroying themselves within kind of mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. the next thing to you know being anti-god and stuff is almost like anti-family it's like being anti-country i mean that's pretty darn important and i don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people realize being against your own country you got to pay for that in the next life because it's pretty darn important i think to the lord because you're affecting other people around you. That's all I have to say. Okay, Greg, thank you. Um, actually, I would add to what you said, which I liked. Uh, you're going to pay for it in this life. Because, you know, it, it's fu- we all do it. It's it's fine to run down the government, and it's it's fine to to um, hate, or or especially when you're young, to think, you know, down with the man. But the alternative to law and order, the alternative to police, the alternative to rule of law, is not freedom or more freedom, it's anarchy. And anarchy punishes the strong, I'm sorry, rewards the strong and punishes the weak. So these little pencil-necked geeks that threw the tomato soup on the Van Gogh do not want to live in a world without laws. Laws, whether they're hate crimes or anti-discrimination crimes, laws are the only thing these twerps have going for them. If it wasn't for law and order, if it wasn't for big, strong men coming in and protecting them, they would be helpless. And in the kind of chaos and anarchy that they seem to lust for, they would be the biggest losers. And they don't realize it. You don't want to live in a tribal world. Ask anyone who's come from a country where that was the that was the organizing principle. The the tribes fight each other and those who have bigger sticks take away from those who have smaller sticks or no sticks. You don't want to live like that. And and so yeah, I, I think I think not not um valuing the idea of rule of law and again I'm not saying the more police, the better. We don't need 87,000 new IRS agents. But the idea that there is rule of law, that 
there is protection for people's property, there is protection for people's rights, and that businesses stand up for their rights, which in turn really is standing up for us, to use the milk example. The alternative to all that is, yeah, the purge. You know, we'll, we'll just, everybody just goes and takes and... If you, if you run with a, a strong gang, you can go out and get some stuff. And if you don't, you better lock yourself in the door, uh, lock yourself in the house. You know, I, and, the, and, the, and the biggest losers would be these weaklings, these, you know, pencil-necked, environmental, woke weaklings. They would hate the world that they are actually leading us toward. They could never make it. They're not strong. They're not self-sufficient. They can't defend themselves. They need to go home and drink some damn milk, not pour it on the floor. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Alan is on the radio. Alan, good afternoon. How's it going? Hey, Alan. Uh, this is a product of fighting ain't against, fighting's against the rules, and it doesn't matter why. You can't step in because no matter what you do, you're wrong. And Mad Joe and the Blender World. What did you lose what? me? Yeah, I didn't. I don't know what that meant. Mad Joe Mad and Joe. the Blender World. Mad Max and the Thunderdome. Oh, Mad Max we, and we Thunderdome. Hit. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mad, Mad yeah, I mean, it's it, that's what it is. It's it's basically anarchy and. Uh, every man for himself. Yeah, I mean, Mad Max, Lord of the Flies. These people would never make it. They'd be the first ones to go down. Yep. But uh, the, we've gone into a bit really sad, sad state of the world. Well, I mean, it's not. Thank you, Alan. I, I, it's it's not it's not lost. There, there's there's still time, but but it starts with somebody saying, you know what. We're not going to close the store because they're shoplifters. We're going to stop the shoplifting. And if that has to come from corporate, and if that involves maybe closing the store temporarily so that you make it easier to defend and protect and, and uh, what have you, then do it. I know, you, I know you know how. I know there's people in, in retail that would know how to do that. But see, this sort of, well, we'll just give up is really probably the best that the milk dumpers can hope for, right? Like the like if the if this supermarket where they dumped all the milk, if they go, well, you know, we just this is this is getting crazy and it's getting dangerous and uh, we can't take these losses anymore, so we'll just close the store. Hello, they win. That's what they want, and that's the only way they can get it. But I I, I think eventually, and I'm optimistic. I maybe don't sound like I am, and I need to work on that, but. I, I really do think that eventually people like you and me will realize, hey, when they don't defend their product, when they don't defend their store, when they don't defend themselves, I wind up paying more. I wind up having to pick up the slack. So I'm going to pressure them because I'm their customer. They need to start doing this. Or I'll take my money somewhere else to where they do defend the, the product. And um, I don't think there's much spine and much backbone to the people that are doing this stuff, any of it, okay? 
the people that attacked the painting, the people that are attacking the supermarkets. This is not exactly, you know, the Wehrmacht. Okay, we can, we can, we can, we can beat these people, but we need to do it. Um, it's probably more of a rhetorical question at this point, but what is wrong with the Democrats? I mean, who thought it was a good idea for Biden to talk with his mouth full of waffle cone about inflation? I'm just trying to wrap my head around, because I don't think anything happens without it being planned, scripted, blocked out, focus group tested. You know what I mean? It, it's supposed to look like a, a fun, spontaneous moment, but he's not up to that. You and I both know that. He can't riff. So somebody, I believe, thought this will look folksy and grandfatherly. Here he is in the ice cream parlor having his, having his cone, and just kind of, you know, telling us it's all going to be fine. Everything's good. The, this economy is strong as hell. Play that clip again, Don. Cut number one. There's no more economic worry. Are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal Inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. So the problem is the lack of but the apparently the message was the economy is strong as hell what what does that mean what does that mean because you know what i don't live in the economy i don't spend the economy i don't go out of my you know front door into the economy my economy is screwed <laughs> okay your economy is screwed. The price of things, the prioritizing of things, the, the evaporation of retirement savings. And the older you get, the more pointed that becomes because you, there's not that much time left to make it back if it even will be made back. And he's standing there with the ice cream cone. But this is also the party, right, that is absolutely sure that you care more about the Dobbs decision than this. You care more about Drag Queen Story Hour than this. You know, there was a school district in Southern California I was reading about that had planned a family-friendly drag show for elementary school kids for Halloween. I'm 57 years old. I've lived through a lot of Halloweens. This is, we never had this. No one was doing this. No one ever thought that was a good idea. What kind of person thinks, you know what the kids need? You know what would really bring Halloween alive is a guy shoving his junk in their face while he reads them a story. How is a drag show? And look, nothing against drag queens and drag shows. If you're an adult, that's your thing. I'm live and let live. But what kind of adult thinks? You could make that family-friendly. That would be like a family-friendly gentleman's club. <laughs> right? I mean, well, or a family-friendly stripogram. Yeah, I'm sending you a stripogram, but it's family-friendly. 
I'm not even getting into what kind of adult wants to twerk or grind in front of kids. I'm just talking about the people that organize them, who are Democrats, who are proud to be and describe themselves as progressives. What is progressive about that? What is, what is wrong with these people? And it's kind of like the, the milk dumping where good people have to stop being shocked into silence because it is, it's dumbfounding. Like, we gotta kind of gather ourselves and, and, and make sure that it's clear that we're not trying to stop consenting adults from doing whatever they want to do with each other. But there is no case to be made for the family-friendly drag queen story hour. There's no, there's no case to be made for that. That's not even debatable. We're talking about this, this deal with uh, Biden doing the ice cream cone thing, and then this sort of um, general, uh, where is their head at, uh, analysis uh, of the Democrats. We're three weeks out now from the uh, midterm election. So I mentioned um, in Encinitas uh united school district in california um they had planned a family-friendly drag show here is a mom that spoke up at the school board meeting about that cut number three listen to this i just want to know what it is uh that makes a drag show family friendly because if you follow it to its logical conclusion you can slap family-friendly titles on anything you can have family-friendly gentlemen's clubs family-friendly strip shows, family-friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read-alouds. Will you appro- approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families, if it's family-friendly? That's my question. Wow. Wow. Uh, what is it about a grown man, and I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fishnetted legs as he rides on the ground grinding his groin next to a minor family friendly you owe us an answer and you know you don't get to hide by just taking something down off peach tree and calling it a day you owe an explanation and an apology problem with child porn, with sex trafficking, you, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps. And we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. There's nothing loving. There's nothing. Let's unite and include. Because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries. And you don't slap family-friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. Hmm. Well, I don't think they want to cover their ass. I think that's the point. But, yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, the libertarian part of me is live and let live. Adults, adult lives are their lives, and it's between you and your God and all that stuff. But um, you got to do it with people that are uh, of 
the age of consent. So whatever you do above the age of consent, it's not my business. And that goes for anything. But if you steal to do the thing you want to do, if you hurt someone to do the thing you want to do, um, then then I have a problem with you. Then, I, then I'm in favor of, of locking you up. So you can be a drag queen. I don't have any issue with it. I don't have any interest in it. I don't have any issue with it. If you want to do that, that's fine. But if you are commandeering uh, public school events or if they are inviting you in, um, that's an entirely different conversation. See, they want that to all be the same conversation. Well, why are you a hater? And it is weird to me that more people don't ask this question. Why is it necessary, whether you're talking about drag queens or Trump or critical race theory, why is it necessary? How do you justify from an educational standpoint talking about this to little kids? You know, when you're 18 and you're in college, I get it. You're a voter. And they want at your mind because they want at your vote. Four-year-olds don't vote. Seven-year-olds don't vote. Eleven-year-olds don't vote. What is the political point of politicizing children that young? They can't help you. They They can't cast a vote in your direction or for your initiative. It's weird to me, I, 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 honest to God, I certainly have never tried this, but I, I assume that you can't take your own kid to a strip club. Am I right about that? I've, obviously, I didn't try it, but I would think they wouldn't let you. I would think you could not get your, your own kid a lap dance at like six. And I realize that they would probably justify keeping your kid out because they're serving alcohol, but... Since we know that no six-year-old is going to pass for drinking age or have a an ID that would convince anyone, he's not going to be served beer. So what are we doing? Why is anybody okay with that? And again, you, you have absolutely the right to impart your values to your child. But that's your decision You have to live with the consequences of that. That's between you and God, because children are a gift from God. But this is not something the state should be doing, the school district should be doing. And there's just, like she says, you can can call it family-friendly. You can can call it Timmy. (laughs) That doesn't mean any, those words mean nothing. Is it that some of these adults see having a child who comes out with a new pronoun or declares themselves to be gender fluid, is that some kind of status symbol for for some adults? Like, it's not enough that they have woke opinions and views, but do they get off on bragging about or or getting the word out that my my son is 
you know, re-identifying or my daughter is redefining her pronouns. I mean, is that what it is? Are these kids like virtue signaling accessories? Like they're, they're hoping to confuse the sexuality of their child because that's sort of bragging rights? I, 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 I'm asking because that sounds monstrous, right? Like who could be, who could be that callous? But is that what we're doing here? And then, let's not be naive, behind all of that, they always say follow the money, right? We have come to find out what money there is in the butchering of children's and adolescents' bodies. It is a profit center. That's why medical centers and practitioners don't stop until they are shamed into it. Because it's it's a business. We had a number last week. It was a, it was a county in Maryland. I forget the name of it, but it was a county in Maryland where there's been a 582 percent increase in um, gender, you know, fluidity, gender redefinition. Uh, kids claiming it. This is in a in a public school district. Now, there's no way. I mean. I could see something fluctuating by a few percentage points from year to year or this was in this was in a year year to year there's no way that doesn't happen without a massive peer pressure um you know intense kind of copycat phenomenon going on there's no other way that happens and and again. I feel like I'm saying this about a lot of the stuff that we talk about, but um, we can't be so shocked that we're that we're stunned in the silence about it. That mom probably is somebody who, in her whole life, never thought she'd stand up and, <laughs> and give a speech like that. You're seeing it all over the country. These are not professional activists. These are people that five years ago probably didn't go to any meeting like this. Didn't even know there was a meeting on. Thursday night or whatever it was. They're going. They're making sure they go. They're letting everyone know. And then they're speaking. And they're speaking powerfully. So there is there is something waking up. But it needs to wake up fast. So you get a big head start on us. Larry is on KTSA. Larry, good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing, Jack? Hi, Larry. Um... Uh... I'm just really just concerned about how they go about it. And it's there's no end in sight. And, you know, I heard you say that you're a libertarian, correct? No, no, I said my the libertarian side of me wants to oh. let adults live the way they want to live, but not uh, interject that into, in the guise of education or family-friendly, oh. our children. Okay, well, now I got it. Well, you know, getting back to this, it's going to be, it's it's indecent and it's wrong. And the teachers that are doing it, you know, I would not permit my child to go see a drag queen show or to, for them to have permission. Larry, to I have news drag. for you. You wouldn't even know. You, it would already have happened before you might find out about it. You're not going to be asked. Well, you're. Yeah, you're gonna. You're correct there, and that's the whole thing. You know, 
I think that they're breaking the law. I think that as soon as they're find out, they should be, I mean, basically arrested and charges are brought on them and, and just basically lose their jobs because the teacher's job is to teach reading, arithmetic, you know, I mean, but you know what I really want to understand? What I really want to understand, Larry, is what kind of adult thinks this is education? Well, because we all have our we all have our our things that we like to do. I mean, I'm not saying you 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 do this, but you might like yeah. to watch, you know, football or you might like to go to uh, you know, uh, nightclubs or whatever, but you wouldn't say, "Hey, I think this is educational. Children should be doing this." You, you would say, "I'm an adult. I can choose to do these things. It's between me and my God what I do." But w- how did we get to the point where anyone could, with a straight face, say that a drag show is educational? Education of what? Well, it's uh, the, our country in general. The reason that is is completely, you know, just the, it just there's a separation is because you got people that have morals and people that don't. They're amoral, and that's by choice. And guess what? It bleeds into our society on what you think is wrong and what I think is wrong. Okay. But I, I guess where I'm going to push back, Larry, is we've always we've always had you know strip clubs. We've always had adult activities that adults partook in maybe maybe with some embarrassment or shame or maybe not but it it was it was up to them and even if you didn't like it in your community or didn't approve of it you understood on some level that hey these are consenting adults this is their choice um at some point we crossed a really weird line where we decided that this was this could be considered uh, a field trip basically you know, when I was a kid, you took a field trip that tied in with what you were studying. If you went to the zoo, it was about animals. If you went to a museum, it was about the chapter of history you were, uh, you know, learning in school that year. Um, th- this is the part I w- that I want to understand, and I, and I'm I'm determined to to press this question because somewhere somebody has their answer to this i'd really like to hear it what is um and and what is wrong with an adult who wants to and agrees to participate in this with children so again if you're a performer if you're a sex performer i'm not judging you i'm not i'm not trying to you do you but i'm i'll bet you the vast majority of people who dance, strip, make porn, whatever they do, they they would agree with you and me. This is not for children. This is not uh, safe. This is harmful. They should not be around this. What kind of person thinks they should, wants them to be, hopes that he or she can get hired to do this at their local school? That's that's the question. It's not the whole activity. It's the person that wants to take it to, to, to kids. And Jim is on five fifty and one oh seven one KTSA. Jim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. I have two comments. Number one is 
in order to even go on a field trip in school, you had to get a permission slip signed. So how is this any different? You know? Because they do it at they do it at the school. Yeah. So this, for example, in this particular, I'm, I can't speak for every event, but this particular event was for elementary school kids, and they brought the drag performers into school. So there'd be no permission slip because you're just bringing your kid to school. Yeah. Well, my second. And that's why I say you won't even know it's happening unless you you find out afterwards, and you might not even find out then. Yeah. Well, my second comment is this is indoctrination. I mean, every dictatorship society indoctrinated their children so that they would follow along. They did it in Germany. I, I think I think that might be true, Jim, but I also wonder, you know, if you're six years old, um, how does that, what does that turn into when you're 18? I mean, do you, does it? Do you keep the same attitude toward it? Does it? Does it really take root at six and stick around till you're old enough to vote? I mean, because what they're interested in ultimately is future voters. So why why would you? Why wouldn't you just wait till they were closer to the age where they're going to vote, and it would be less controversial? Yeah, I agree with you there. I guess, you know, the indoctrination, if it starts early enough, hopefully they, they think that it sinks in and it's yeah. going to stay with the Yeah, child. maybe. 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 Jim, thank you. Thanks for the call. Um, I was listening to a recording of a, um, it was on a podcast, and it was somewhere up north, I forget which state, but it was a, it was one of those sort of Project Veritas-style recordings. It wasn't Project Veritas, but it was a recording of a teacher, and she was obviously propagandizing her students she was talking to them about Trump and Biden and January 6th. And these were little kids. And I'm listening to it. And I'm going, all right, I get what Jim is saying, and I get indoctrination. But these kids aren't, aren't voters. They're not going to be voters anytime soon. You can't tell me that this makes any kind of sense other than for the 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 I guess the self gratification of the person doing it. There's no strategy. I mean, let's say you're talking to an eight year old. In ten years, neither Biden nor Trump are are an issue, a factor. Right? What are you doing? You know, it, it's not right to to bring politics into education or or commingle the two. But at least if you're doing it in college, or even a high school course, I guess I could say, well, they're going to be voting in five minutes. Still isn't appropriate, but it's understandable why you would do it or why you would think you should do it. With little kids, it's just weird. That that is just weird. And um. You know, when it gets challenged, a lot of times it stops. Because what really, the, the model is, and always has been, that parents don't pay close attention to school committee and curricula, and, and they don't. I mean, you love your kid. It's not that, you, not that you don't care, you don't love him or her. But what broke that model, of all things, ironically, was COVID. Because people started taking a much more granular, closer 
look at the content. They're going to rue the day. They really are with the distance learning because that's where everyone, every time we play one of these little clips of one of these parents at a school board meeting, the, the genesis of almost all of that was the sort of awakening of the last two years to what's really going on in school. So the model is broken because now people find out. But often you find out after it's happened. And you need to know that. You need to know that they're not going to ask your permission first. If you think the answer is I would never let my kid do that, you've already lost. I don't mean to be cruel. I'm sorry, but I need to tell you this. If you think they're going to come to you for permission, you'll withhold it. You'll exempt your kid from it. You've already lost. Six thirty nine on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. So I went to see Halloween Ends over the weekend. This is the new. God, how many of them have there been? Jamie Lee Curtis has been making these movies since I think nineteen seventy eight. I don't know how many there have been. There have been several, and this is not only the latest sequel with Michael Myers, the guy with the mask, but this one's billed as the end of it. The last Halloween ends. I am here to tell you, having seen the movie, I don't think so. I don't think this is it. Don't get me wrong. I I love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I've enjoyed these movies, most of them over the years. But for this to be the last Halloween movie, the ending, the, the, the demise of Michael Myers would have to be spectacular. And convincing and, and, and absolutely, this is it. There's no coming back. And it's none of those things. The ending is so weak. I like the movie. I'm not saying don't go see it, but you're not going to love the ending. You know, I would almost say, you know, if your phone rings or something or you get called out of the theater before the end, you, you, that might be okay. The ending is, is very tacked on. I'm not going to spoil it, but you can tell that they, really wanted to sell that this is it, and it doesn't work. So it begins well. The movie begins with, you know, like a lot of horror movies, it's Halloween night, there's a babysitter, and there's a bloodbath. And there's a twist to this one. So the the early going in this movie is jump scares and a shocking kind of opening sequence. And um, you see Jamie Lee Curtis. She's living now with her granddaughter, and it's not the best outing for her. She's mostly moping and frowning, and she's just kind of a grumpy person in this movie, the, the character that she plays. And her granddaughter uh, is very taken by this guy who's the town outcast. And sure enough, Jamie knows why. She sees something in him. Well, she sees Michael Myers in it. And it's almost like the kid is the way that they introduce or reintroduce the Michael Myers character, but there's no reason that the the kid's character is extraneous because it's a Halloween movie, so we know that Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis are going to 
meet up and do battle. So we waste all this time sort of establishing how he gets back into the picture. You know, Michael Myers is back. Well, it's a, everybody that goes to a Halloween movie knows that Michael Myers is back and will be back. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of cliches like there are in most horror movies. You know, she lives in this dark Victorian house with a full knife drawer and a nice butcher block island in the middle of the kitchen, which, you know, you got to have, for the, for the carnage, you got to have a butcher block countertop, can't have granite, right? But there's this kid and there's this love affair and, Nobody gets him, and it doesn't really work for me. I'm not. I'm not dissing the actor. I don't know who he is, but the character doesn't really do much. And we never do get an explanation of why this kid, his name is Corey, why Corey and Michael Myers are like a duo. So at one point, the kid meets Michael Myers in a sewer pipe, and you know, usually when you meet Michael Myers, you're being killed by Michael Myers. But for whatever reason, no explanation we ever get. They become like a tag team. And we don't know, are they, is there a relationship between them? Are they a couple? Or is, is, is this Michael Myers' son? I mean, we, no explanation. Just, they, they start tag teaming and it just doesn't, that part doesn't really work for me. There's a lot of other cliches. There's, you know, spoiled rich kids and, you know, bloody endings that you see coming. But all in all, it, it could have been a great movie except that they never do like a convincing this is it for Michael Myers. So if you watch it or if you've seen it, I'm curious, do you think it's the last one? Because I'm betting there will be more. And I actually wouldn't mind if there were more because I think that Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers really should have a better finale than the finale they have. Again, I'm not spoiling anything or giving anything away, but... When we finally get to the sequence that you've waited the whole movie for, which is the showdown, it's like every other battle she's ever done with him. You know? I mean, if you've seen the other Halloween movies, this just looks like more of the same. No, it's not. It's, and if you're going to say this is the, the final one, this is the conclusion, the summation, the resolution, it seems like it should be different. It just really isn't. So all in all, if you if you're a fan of the series, you should see it, but don't buy the um, don't buy that this is the last one. And I think you I think if you do watch the ending, you'll you'll be baffled and puzzled and wonder what what is it you're you know, what are you what are you guys trying to say here? You know, I think it'll be back. I think they'll make another one, and it did very well, which also sort of suggests there'll be another one. Right? We'll talk about. Uh, Great movies to watch in the Halloween season and best horror movies on the show tomorrow. We'll get your calls on that. Um, I was reading today about a guy who lives in a $1,000 a month apartment in Manhattan. And that's eye-catching because you know how much rent is in, in Manhattan. This guy lives in East Village, nice area of Manhattan. $1,000 a month. His apartment is 95 square feet. He can touch both walls just by extending his arms. So it's a closet, basically. He found it on Zillow. He moved in sight unseen. He had seen some pictures. He had never gone to it. He said, I really wanted to live in this area. 
and any space can be made into a home. And so um, he's a young guy. He's, I think he's uh, 22. He works as a hair cutter and a bike messenger. $1,000 a month. Just went up to 1100 It's about 15 feet by 8 feet. It's sort of like a walk-in closet or, you know, a hallway. It's got a window. Um, doesn't have a bathroom. There are shared bathrooms and showers on each floor. All the apartments in this building are tiny. I guess because people are doing tiny houses, this is not that unusual. And, you know, the way it was being reported, this was a, I think this was a CNBC story. It was sort of, sort of reported in the, oh, my gosh, can you believe it? But, you know, if you think about when you're like 22, what do you need, really? If you have more space, you'll just have junk. You'll just put stuff in it. You know, you're in Manhattan. You're probably not home that much. I could see it. I mean, if people are going to have to live in that city, this is how they're going to have to live. Some of them. Maybe a lot of them. So um, are you a fan of horror movies? Uh, No. 59% yes. 41%. And tomorrow we'll ask you, uh, what's your favorite movie to watch this time of year or best or favorite horror movie or movies? Take your calls on that. Um. I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge I'm not as big a horror movie fan as I used to be, but when we get into the like the two or three weeks before Halloween, then I want to kind of revisit some old favorites and check out some new ones. And I, like I said, I went to see Halloween Ends, which um, I'm not a big new movie guy, but you know I've kind of been there with Jamie Lee Curtis all the way through. I felt like I had to see what she was up to, and it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's nice to see her again. So um, we're just kind of in the middle of baseball's postseason this year. But there was a time when you would already have been playing the World Series in mid-October. And in 1989, they were. On this day in 1989, ABC Sports was getting ready for the World Series between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's. And here's Al Michaels opening the Game 3 broadcast, cut number 8. Background and we zoom into Candlestick Park in the southeastern corner of the city for the first time in 27 years. A World Series game will be played in Candlestick Park. The Battle of the Bay continues. Game three of the 1989 World Series, the Oakland Athletics against the San Francisco Giants. I'm Al Michaels. Welcome to Game 3. It's been dominant open pitching, of course, in the first two games. So Roger Craig has made some changes in the Giants lineup. Can't so overfill he goes through the, great- the, you know, like he would customarily do before a baseball game or a football game. He's setting up the, uh, the challenge, lineup changes, who are the starting pitchers. Um, and this goes on for a few minutes. And it's, by the way, it's amazing to look at Al Michaels from all these years ago and today, he's the same guy. He's so good at what he does. And I think we were lucky that he was the guy on the scene uh, when this happens. So now he's brought in Tim McCarver, the ex-big league catcher, his color commentator partner. And McCarver is narrating some highlight stuff from the previous two games when this happens, cut number nine. Flash forward to the bottom of the fourth inning. Dave Parker barely, by inches, just misses a home run. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base. So the Oakland A's take take a 
that struck the Bay Area. It did not damage Candlestick Park or hurt anybody at the park, but it did do a lot of damage. You remember there were bridges and highways that collapsed. There was a, a quite a death toll and destruction. Um, and Al Michaels was was on the scene uh, for that, and in, and in a way really was the first journalist to break that story um, live as it, was, as it was happening and let the country know. Again, this is 1989. Many years later, he spoke about the challenge and his memories of that day. Cut number 10. It was certainly one of the most stunning things ever. I can't imagine ever, anything like that, you know, happening. And there's no way to, to even think about preparing for something like that. So it just, you know, it took, it took place. And then what you had to do is, um, as we were on the air, just to kind of collect your wits, stay calm, and then try to figure out how you're going to explain what was going to happen. So... I look back on that night as a very unusual night, obviously, uh, a once-in-a-lifetime event, probably, um, and something that's you know just just extraordinary and really sad in a way. It's uh, I've been I've been involved in so many really great events, and most of them are are pretty exciting and and, and lead to a lot of good memories. So that one's not a good memory because just uh, there was too much damage done, too many people lost their lives. So. It was it was different. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I bet the communication between the the truck and you guys and what was going on in your ear, you guys were scared for yourselves. How did you guys manage to keep collected? Well, frankly, when that happened, we lost all communication. So the monitor went out. I couldn't hear anybody in the truck. I knew there was an earthquake, and even though there was a lot of daylight since it was 5:04 in the afternoon in October, the lights that we had on for the scene set in the booth they went out too. So I was in the dark. And I didn't know, in fact, at one point I said um, on the air, I said, you know, I don't know if we're on the air, and frankly, I'm not sure I even care at this point, but we'll be back, I hope, from San Francisco after this. Because I didn't know where, I didn't know where we were at that point. Yeah. Well, we were in pretty good hands with Al Michaels, I'll tell you that. Still enjoy him all these years later doing Thursday Night Football. Wish they gave him better games, but I will see you back here for whatever happens, hopefully on the air. At 4 Live and on demand anytime at KTSA.com. Have a good night.